Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm April Vokey, and you are listening to Anchored. My chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I sit down with my guests to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Rich Stuber is a native Montanan who worked in the inflatable business specifically manufacturing watermaster rafts for years before eventually taking over the company. In this episode of Anchored, Rich and I sit down to discuss what to look for in an inflatable raft, how to make the most out of your time on the water, and more. If you haven't checked out our latest mini course on raft fishing with Yost Gladstone and Josh Ziegler, check it out at www.anchoredoutdoors.com. Okay, let's just dive right on in. So okay. where were you born and raised? Born and raised in Montana, cool. uh, born in Great Falls, Montana. Um, and then in eighth grade, went to Red Lodge, Montana, and lived the mountain town life. So, yeah. So, Montana forever, which is awesome. I don't want to leave. I didn't know that you were originally from there. For some reason, I was thinking yeah. you were Midwest. No. Yeah, cool. Um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What about hunting and fishing? How did that all enter your world? I'm assuming you hunt because I've seen a number uh, of mounts now behind you yeah, in your office yesterday yeah. and in your in your home now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my cheater mount, which is the Axis, and that's from Texas, so that kind of bit of a cheater. The rest are elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I grew up hunting, grew up fishing. You know, small kid. Um, my dad did it, so every year that's what it was. Like age 12 was probably the biggest year you could graduate too because that means you could enter the hunting world and actually fill a tag so and then fishing was what you did when it was a hunting season 
you know so definitely grew up on the bobber side of it for the you know the worm and lure side of it for most of it when i was really young um and then fly fishing came in more like in high school than more so college post-college so okay so tell me all about tell me all about that because let me give some context for people who are listening i met you when you had bought out watermaster and very similar to when I had actually last week's podcast with Tim O'Neill from Norvice, same thing. I just assumed it was going to be some corporate guy with a suit who had bought out the company and who knew what was going to become of it. Little did I know when I actually met you that you were this cool fishing, I mean, tattooed <laughs> guy who actually spends a lot of time outside. And, um, and I just kind of want to talk about how that all came to be before you bought Watermaster. I'm going to, I just kind of want to run through your timeline and, and genuinely get to know you better because I don't know anything about you before life at, Water, right. at Watermaster. So tell me all, tell me all about it. What was your, how was your transition from high school through fishing? What did you do after high school? All of that fun stuff. Uh, high school, um, to college, I was more into snowboarding. So the snowboarding was the peak outdoor activity then kind of why I chose the university of Montana was, it was a mountain within 10, 15 minutes. You know, I didn't have to go too far, which meant I could go more often. Um, and then just going to college, you know, obviously being in Missoula, fly fishing's a huge thing. Um, so just tinkered around a little bit with it then. Um, but seriously, I was more into snowboarding and, and, uh, mountain biking in the, in the summer more than the, the skiing or the hunting and the fishing kind of when I went to college, I guess I went from high school to being in a red lodge and it's all there. And that's what I did to kind of hyper-focused course, freshman in college, beginning college, you get distracted by many other things besides the outdoor world. Um, but yeah, I did that. You know, I got my degree in business and marketing, um, had a couple bad jobs, you know, working at casino, you know, watching people spend too much money. Um, and then got an offer to help out at a place called Watermaster. Wasn't going to get paid much, be throwing some glue around, wearing a gas mask most of the day. Um, but it sounded great. I was working at a sporting goods store in Missoula at the time. Um, with lots of promises to be the manager and whatnot and found out there was at least a dozen people in front of me that had been told the same thing and were working, had been there a year or two. So anyway, I jumped on the offer just to do something different um, and just kind of did a lot of the labor work from 2000 to 2005, um, the welding, the gluing, you know, stuff like that, shipping. Um, the 2005 you know, past owner. I don't want to get into a lot of that kind of stuff because there's all kinds of, he wasn't the best owner, <laughs> obviously it didn't work out for him. Um, and so I kind of had to run it that last year and just kind of take care of it and keep it going um, until I had an opportunity to buy out everything he had because he had a lot of debt and a lot of had to get out of it. Didn't even fish, which I thought, you know, again, like you said, someone that's not in the industry and, the passion's not there. It's more of like the next buck. Um, and that didn't work out. So I loved the product. I was in love with it. First time I got in it, I was like, how can you not love this thing? I mean, it's just too easy to use. And the Bitterroot was right next to the shop. So that's the perfect river for it where you can stand up and wade fish like every five, you know, 
five feet it's shallow enough to stand up and and fish a riffle so i was like this is amazing um just grew a dedication and a love for it until i had that opportunity and through the help of a lot of other people including my wife um that couldn't have pulled it off without her could have pulled it off without some of the other people that were in the business debtors that he owed money to um everyone wanted to see me get a chance at it and and it worked out pretty well so 2006 is when I started Big Sky Inflatables, home of the Watermaster. Um, and uh, it's just been growing ever since. Right. Okay. So, so when did the when did Watermaster first come out prior to you? What year was it? So when the brand itself, like the, the boat, well, I mean, there's an older brand that was, that came out in the late 90s or mid 90s, early 90s, I should say, early 90s. Um that had the original patent rights on it, Tote and Float. Um, you might have heard of that. It was a little mini version, kind of the Grizzly. Um, and then it became Watermaster and was in Missoula. Um, there's multitude of stories between the owners and who owned it, who didn't. Um, there's a couple versions that have since been put out, you know, that are similar um, with those people. But... <clears throat> The big difference, I think, was that we kept everything in-house, um, did the welding um, and stuff like that, which I think is still kind of our big advantage. But, yeah, it's it's a convoluted story. If you ask a bunch of different people, so-and-so owned it and so-and-so owned it, and I think a lot of people had their hands in it and did a lot of infighting. But it was a cool product is all I really cared about. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of years to get – to see the business, you know, see the customers, see how maybe it should be ran, um, definitely see how it shouldn't be ran, and then, you know, gave me a good education in both regards. Did you have to make any major changes in construction when you took over? Because I think I recall... Construction of the boat? Yeah, it would have been years ago. It would have been... It would have been years ago. And I remember Nick Pujic saying something to me about the Watermaster. That's how I first heard about it. And I... And there was something about the construction of the boat where Nick said, but there's this new owner and everything's headed in the right direction. And something had changed with the boat. And I swear we were talking about the boat itself, not marketing. Were there any major changes you made to the boat itself? Um, well, the, uh, the big one was the Kodiak model coming out, uh, but that was pre me owning it. Um, and then we did do some like we double reinforce the seam. So instead of just doing the one inch seam tape, we went to a two inch seam tape. Um, we did start getting parts and pieces pre-cut manufactured for us as opposed to a pair of scissors and an old, you know, fabric cutter. Um, so things got a little more cosmetically pretty once we got them together. Cause they were all, you know, the parts were perfect circles and straight seam tape and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, that would be the major, the only major change that we've done you know besides obviously the brewing a new model coming out years later but the watermaster hasn't changed a lot i mean i think that's what a lot of people appreciate is is uh next year they don't have to worry about the z3000 coming out and it's got bells and whistles and of course it's better <laughs> you know we found something that really works people really like it and it just seems to just keep building it of course if something comes up a newfangled material that is bulletproof uh, we're going to look into it but until then we like what we're doing let's explain what it is for people listening who have no idea um 
And I will just say as a, as a quick little side note, I think it's really cool that Watermasters found its own category. I mean, it's almost as if I get emails saying, Hey April, should I buy a drift boat or raft, a pontoon boat or a Watermaster? Right. It's not even, it's not even, <laughs> it, it's it. just its own, yeah. it's its own, own brand. Um, that's taken on its whole own category. Why don't you explain first what it is and I'll elaborate um, if I feel like anything needs to be. Oh, absolutely. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> you have lots of experience. But they're my favorite. And, <laughs> and I just want to make it very clear for people listening. This is not like a, I don't do the whole paid thing where people pay me to come on the show and talk about their product. Rich and I have known each other for a long time. I am a mad mad believer in Watermaster. I own several and, um, have put my friends and family in them. I put my daughter in them. As soon as she has got her, the ability to row a little more, she's going to be having her own Watermaster. I mean, I just can't say enough great things. Awesome. So your favorite pups, (laughs) Oh, my, my dog. I mean, just everything. I put my life in it. I, I, it's, it got me through. I don't even think you know this, but it got me through a major depression with my car accident. I mean, there's just, I'll, I'll tell you all about it. But first, for people who have no idea what it is, what is a Watermaster? So I will focus on the Kodiak and the Grizzly, the one person's, just because they are so unique to everything else. Um, they're the one person raft uh, that's got, that fits into a backpack. Start with that. So the whole thing fits into a backpack, the oars, the seat, the pump, the accessories, um, everything goes in a bag. So you can throw it in the trunk of your car. You can fly with it. I I check it all the time on commercial airlines and take it with me. Um, you can just have it with you. Uh, It takes 10 minutes to set up. So it's not a bother. A lot of these boats are, they work, but you know, 45 minutes later on the river, you're finally getting out there because you just got that assembling 20, metal tubes and straps and whatnot um so they're super quick to assemble um but the uniqueness is of them is that it's almost like you're fishing with maybe a guide or someone rowing the boat behind you without necessarily having that other person um the ability to use fins and control the boat while you're floating um I can literally use my fins to slow down just to match the speed of the current to get my angle to the bank and to get my distance from the bank. I can do one cast, one mend, and at times I can hunt a fly for 100 yards because I'm floating with it. Um, No need to pick up and recast when it's hunting when it needs to hunt. Um, And then when you get to a shallow spot, you just stand up. You anchor the boat. It swings downstream. It does a pull on you. you can sidestep and, and fish a riffle. And then if you slip or fall, the boat's right there. You're not going anywhere. Uh, and then when you're ready to go, you just sit down in the seat, you put your feet up and you go to the next spot or you fish with the fins to the next spot. Um, so they're just, they're just, I think they allow you to fish more water than most crafts. Most of them, it's more of a spot to spot. Or like I said, you have to have someone rowing properly behind you um, to really position the boat. Whereas with the water master, once you kind of dial it in, you forget about the boat part. It's kind of like wade fishing, um, but you're moving. Um, you know, I tell people and they're like, I'm wade, I'm a wade fisherman. I, I don't like to do a lot of floating. I'm like, yeah, but you can wade fish eight miles or six miles, just wade fishing it and not necessarily float and fish, but boy, you can pick apart all this different water and not have to go just to your limits, how far you want to walk. You know, maybe that's a half mile upstream and that's, that's your day. Whereas in a water master, you hop in at one bridge, have a, someone to pick you up or a shuttle 
that's the only thing that doesn't come with a water master as <laughs> a shuttle. Uh, so five friend or shuttle service, you'll be good. But, um, and they're tough. I mean, they're, they're tough enough to, to withstand a lot. I mean, I just had one turn 21 years old. It's the first one I ever built actually, um, on the bottom of the welder. And I know that doesn't mean anything to anyone, but there's two people that it takes to weld boats together, um, on a thermal welder and the bottom positions, the more important one, the one that you can totally mess up a boat in seconds and waste a lot of money, uh, and time. Um, and that was the first one I was allowed to go to the bottom of the welder and, and weld. So it's not as pretty, not even close to what they are now, but it's still floating. And unless I'm doing video or something, I, I take that because that's the mojo boat. But, uh, so they're long lasting. You get an investment lasts a long time. Um, tough, stable, um, rated class four for a reason that low center of gravity and those big tubes and um, the durability of the fabric. Of course, that has more to do with the person rowing the boat than it does the boat most of the time. But uh, the boat itself is designed for it. Yeah. And if anyone's trying to. Lo- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I just remembered something. Sorry. Yeah, lots yeah, of room no, for no, gear. Go, so go like the it. camping stuff, yeah. <laughs> the camping trips, you know, multi-day trips, bringing the dog, bringing someone else, throw them in the back, kiddo to ride along with. Um, the beauty is you can load a ton of weight out of them and then not necessarily notice it with the oars or not notice it like you would in other boats where it becomes just too hard to row because you have so much weight. So. Yeah, and it, it doesn't get tipsy like a pontoon might. So if anyone's trying to envision what it looks like, it looks like an uh, an oval donut with a seat, a heart, a, a seat in the middle that is down quite low, flush with the boat, and it's open in the front so your feet can hang down. I, by the way, don't use um, what do you call them? flippers. Fins. fins. <laughs> that sounds a lot better. <laughs> I don't use fins. You should. <laughs> uh, maybe I should. Uh, I just have never done it before. But I, I just put my feet up on the strap, and then I, there's a uh, the back behind me is solid. So that's where you can put your buddy, your boat. I did all my you know seven day uh, camp trips on the Dean with all of my gear packed on the back. I couldn't believe how much stuff I could fit on the back of that boat. I mean, I've got pictures. You can see the gears up behind my head. Oh, yeah. It's all strapped in. Um, and what I love about it is, for me, it let me. It, it actually becomes a part of me when fishing. It's as important to me as my rod is. So I will go down the river and see a big rock in the middle of the river, and, and, and I'll be able to tell that on either side there's a big trough of water, and I'll just stand up in the middle of the river on a rock with the water master around my legs, and obviously that would be suicide if I didn't have the water master around me, All Right. and I just fish both sides, and then if I, if I were to slip, which I haven't, knock on wood, I would just slip back into my boat. When I'm done fishing both sides, I just sit back down and go, um, but I had fished in a pontoon boat before I got my first water master, and it... it <sighs> It was a little intimidating for a number of reasons for me, but mostly just having the open front. You'd see a boulder coming in, and as a new rower, that would really intimidate me that this boulder could essentially get stuck in the middle of my boat and, mm-hmm. you know, flip me. But with the Watermaster, especially as a new rower at the time, I could just literally bounce off rocks. And I don't know if that is a responsible thing to say to people because I don't want people playing like bumper <laughs> rocks into in, rapids, but you really do, you have the ability to just bump off of a rock if, 
push comes to shove. So, um, a number, a number of reasons, but I don't know if you know this. So I had a really bad car accident in 2008. And so that fall, I had just gotten my moon boot off my foot and I took my water master. Uh, it was before I had my dog. Yes. Yeah, so it was before Colby. I took my water master up to the Bulkley and it was just going to be a bum for, I think I was going to go for a week, but I ended up staying six weeks and was like playing poker to trading flies to right. win canned <laughs> soup. So I had enough food to make it through. And I would put my bad foot cause it was a totally rebuilt foot. I'd put my, my knee up and then I would just, I wouldn't, get out of my boat and weighed down. Obviously that would have been silly. So I would just put my leg up and then make my cast and fish and then take my, I hope that you can, you can envision this, take my good foot up and then just float yep. down a couple steps, put my good foot down, get sturdy, yep. <laughs> bad foots up the whole time, make my cast ready to move down a few steps, lift up, float, do it again. So it really got, awesome. it got me through having that watermaster. I was able to go, on this epic life-changing trip as a young woman, even though my foot was full of plates and pins. So it was, yeah. Wow. And then, and then, That's awesome. and then getting Colby, the next best big thing in my life and being able to take him. And I remember him being a puppy and he would walk circles, <laughs> circles around me on the watermaster. And I just like <laughs> lay on my oars and launch him off to teach him a lesson. And he became part of that water master and he would be, be kind of my anchor. You know, I'd leave it on shore and he'd sleep on the boat. I knew that the boat wasn't going to go anywhere. And I yeah. just have, I have so many memories of that water master, Rich. I can't, I cannot even begin to tell you what it's done. Then we flew them down here. So we've now got them here in Australia um, and we use them in lakes. We use them in rivers. I'm not keen or game to take them in the ocean yet because I think a shark might eat me down here, but <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you, but I don't blame you. Just... I, I'm a native Montana and the ocean scares right? me, but there's no limit. There's just no limit to what you can, right. you can do with them. And then they're packable. So yep. obviously you can, mm -hmm. we strap them in the back of our truck. We strap them on the top of the truck. We pack them in. Um, I get down, like when I need to carry it quite a long distance, they're so light that I just, I leave mine inflated. I stand in the middle, I grab it by the hard seat. I just flip it up. If anyone's watching this on video, I just flip it up, put it above my head and I can walk for, I could honestly walk for a mile with this thing just above my head, just kind of resting on my head. Yeah. And, um, it's super lightweight. There are zero boat launches that we can't get into. If you get into a really highly forested area, like some of the lakes we fish, we just flip it on its side. We drag them. If you saw what we put these boats through, you'd probably smack me. But <laughs> wonder why you haven't asked for more right. or gotten more from us. <laughs> no, they are they are next level. I can't say enough good things. They're tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So having the upgraded oars for me is huge from not only a confidence stance, but just being able to dig deeper, dig harder, put more force on the boat. So what's going on with the oars if someone was looking to buy one and was contemplating upgrading? So we sell three different styles of oars. You start with the standard package that comes with our lightweight oars, which is exactly that. If you're packing it, if you're going to a mountain lake, you know, and you want to keep the pack as light as possible, um, they're fine. Not something I'd recommend if you're a river, you know, if you're river fishing, uh, might be banging them around more. So you want to upgrade at least the cabinets, heavy duty oars, which is our next option. Um, the most popular because of the price and the sturdiness of them um they've got a good size blade so they're they do move a lot of water um and now just in the last couple of years we've carried the sort of stealth oars which are a composite ore by sawyer um really solid ore um two piece as well and the best part is it's probably the most surface area on the blade or it is the most surface area uh blade wise that we have and so it's pretty noticeable just how much water it moves how much faster you move so um, I tell anyone, it really depends on how much you row. Um, you know, the people invest in the more expensive, the bigger blades, row more. I mean, a, a guide is going to invest heavily in a good set of oars because that's all they do all day long. Um, you know, honestly, when I'm fishing the bitter and Clark Fork and all that, I'm using my fins 90% of the time, um, occasionally using the oars across the river or I mistimed it and it's dark and i know i have another mile to row um but other than that i'm using fins but if i do say i did the gunnison um river the black canyon in colorado and that's all technical class three and four rapids um and the stealths were nice in there because it gave me that extra you know pull that extra confidence like you said that you're going to get the most out of every every stroke so if you're not ever planning on doing any heavy duty rowing um it you may not need to upgrade to those but but then in a lake i mean you're rowing forever in a lake so they might be nice in a lake too yeah i'm, so. I'm all about the bigger oars but uh the fins the, I, I can't wrap my head around this you're gonna have to walk me through it okay yes yeah, so the fins so the idea of the watermaster, even going back way before me was there was a kick boat and that was the original idea of the of the original design um was that it was going to allow you to hands-free fish while you floated um in a river not not just because i think a lot of people associate the fins as strictly lakes and a lot of people i talk to are like oh yeah using a lake but i'd never use them in a river and i'm like in a lake's fine honestly i don't use them in a lake much except for just positioning because i'm going to use oars if i'm going to move any kind of significant distance i'm rowing i'm not using fins um, fins are just going to keep maybe fight the wind in a river um, especially with the watermaster the watermaster is unique because we do have that full um, circular design we don't have rockers and what i mean by rockers is when the ends of the raft come up out of the water like you'd see on a traditional bigger raft or a kayak or at the end of pontoon boats you know they're very rockered um boat we don't our whole design is that we keep the tube on the water because we want to 
take advantage of the buoyancy. Buoyancy is, is our, we always joke, eighth grade science is as far as we needed to go to figure out water master because the more buoyancy you have the higher it's going to sit on the water the less it's going to draw um, but by having no rocker we have more contact with the water and that gives you a lot of advantages as well um, you were mentioning being a pontoon boat and how having that open front having two tubes actually is a problem too because your boat has two minds i mean you have two tubes trying to go different directions different currents and you have to navigate so when you have a true boat where you have a bow and a stern where it contacts at the front you're going to track way better um, the boat's not going to want to spin it's going to track straight uh, more naturally but that buoyancy is going to sit up higher in the water you're going to have a draw way less water um, and so what I'm getting to is when you have that big footprint, um, the fins aren't as hard to use because the boat reacts much quicker. Um, a lot of people think that using fins, this is the absolute wrong way to do it in Water Masters, to stick your feet forward and almost kick like you're swim kicking and trying to propel the boat back upstream. Does that make sense? Um, so like in a pontoon boat, if you're trying to slow it down, um, typically you have to just kick and just try to propel it back upstream. In a water master, you're actually manipulating current. So what I do is not kick. I stick my foot under the seat and I scoop up water. And envision it's kind of like riding a bike backwards really slowly and you scoop that water up. And what that does is it manipulates that current and it spins it back the other way. And that creates an eddy, right? I mean, that creates, that slows down that water and then the boat will react immediately because of its large footprint. And so just by slowly scooping up water, you can slow that boat down to the speed of the current, match the speed of the current. And then just with little right and left kicks, get your angle. If you're too close, do a couple big kicks back just to get away from the bank. Um, if you need to get closer, you just spin really quick and kick closer to the bank. Um, but the idea is different. And I one day we're going to come up with a really good video underwater that's going to show um, – what we mean but if you just scoop that water up slowly it'll just churn that water back and create that eddy technically underneath your boat and that's what'll slow your boat down all i have are visions of me kicking too deep and catching my fin on a rock and it pulling me forward and out of my boat this horrible nightmare <laughs> this vision how, how long are your fins how are you not catching bottom so our fins are cut shorter than, than your typical fin. You wouldn't want to use a typical pontoon fin or a swim fin or a float tube fin. Um, those are, again, meant for, like, lakes where you're swim kicking and you need those big kicks. Ours are just – they're probably on my boot. I wear a size 12. They're five, six inches past my boot. Um, so they're not super long, uh, but they're effective enough to turn that water is what's, what you're looking for. Do you have to take them off to walk upstream, I'm assuming? So they're meant to fit over your wading boots. Uh, it's one strap, so you just push down the button, loosen the strap, and take them off your boots and throw them in back. Uh, but again, since they're cut shorter, so what I do, I'll just explain like a trip on the Bitterroot. Um, I'll be floating down, and I'll be using my fins, like I'm saying, slowly back, you know, scooping up the water and I'll be fishing. And then as soon as it gets to a shallow spot, I'll just stand up. The boat will swing downstream like it normally would. Um, and then they're short enough. I can easily sidestep in them. And then if I'm going to be there and it's a great spot and I don't want to be there a while, I just bend over. I pop the fins off. I throw them in the back and I put them on later when I'm ready to get back to floating again. 
but the absolute control it gives you is unbelievable. And I think a lot of people probably kind of try to do it with their boots, you know, um, but they're not effective. (laughs) (laughs) So this is like in between trying between your boots and then a swim fin. It's like in the middle. So, um, but that's why our fins are a little bit different. Yeah, They're shorter. Interesting. I'm, I will give it. And they're flat. They're not, they're not dipped like a swim fin. They're a really flat fin. Does it do your head in that so many of us in BC do not have them on our feet? We all are just there with our wading boots on a strap? No, not necessarily because if you're fishing for steelhead, I understand. Okay. Because you're going from run to run, right? I mean, you're not hitting the bank, like fishing the bank with like a single hand five weight looking for trout. Um, Like what I do, which is, you know, constantly just trying to work that, that bank, just like, you know, like I said, in a drift boat or, or anything else. And I want to be in control of that. So the fins allow me to float that same style. Um, and again, I can, I can kick hard enough to almost come to a stop in current. So if there's heavy risers, it's too deep to, to stand up. I'll kick a little harder, you know, scoop a little harder and I can come to a stop. And then I have cramping later when I do that too much. So if it's a good day, if I'm cramping, that means that every hole is really good. Right. (laughs) Have you figured out a way yet for us to be able to stand in the middle, up to our waist, make a long cast, strip all that line in, and not get tangled? The lifelong fly fishing question yeah. how not to get that fly line tangle on everything in sight because I would do it with Colby um, I'd have him I'd have him there and obviously like you said it would swing and so I, I've, I've tried with just letting it dangle in the water but it's too much line because I'm doing throwing long spay casts and right, so right. that that won't work so then I tried just ta- putting it in the seat but then it starts to fall off and go under the boat then I would try throwing it on Colby which was always cute but um, yeah, I was just wondering if I've missed something because it's been so long and I've been so happy just with the old tried, tested, true. I don't know if there's been any improvements with accessories. Is there some sort of netting or something, some attachment that you've come up with yet or might? Well, we have a stripping apron, but it, but it is for sitting. So I don't know how, you know, that I, actually I should probably let you check one out because the nice thing about our stripping apron is it's not a, it's got a bungee cord. So you could have it in front of you and you could still stand up. And then that would give a netting that would close that area off in between. That might be work. I'm going to have to get you one because it would close that area off in between the front area. There'd only be a small section up front way far, you know, in front of the net that it would fall into. I'd have to almost see you stripping that line to see where it's going. But the stripping apron works great when you're sitting in the boat and you're stripping, you know, into your lap. Um, and again, a bungee, so you could easily stand up and it'd probably do the same thing. Yeah, I'm just thinking. Because one of the, my favorite parts about Watermaster are all the fun accessories that you can get yeah. with it. <laughs> I bet you you could have some sort of an apron that you just flip over, like a bit, bit of netting that just sits out and mm-hmm. floats. And you could probably just... I'll get I'll get a video and I'll show you what I've been up to. Yeah. Um, as far as accessories, yeah. you know the other accessory I would like? This is me. I feel like I'm talking to Santa Claus with a wish list here. Have you thought about putting on some sort of a mount where we can put crazy lights on the front of our Watermasters for at night? A mount? Because they've got this new flashlight that you can see, I swear, a country mile away with. It's like, it's the world's brightest flashlight. And I was thinking it would be so cool 
to not have to stress out about rolling back in the dark and just mount it on the front of my oh, watermaster yeah. and go. Yeah. The headlight. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we always use headlamps, but they aren't quite as effective as you'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is I don't know if you've seen Scotty, um, the Scotty Rod Holder Company. Yeah, yeah. Scotty makes uh, a pad that you can glue to the boat. Oh, okay. Um, and then you can attach any of their mounts to it. So I don't know if there's one that would work for that. Cool, yeah. Um, but any of the Scotty stuff, I mean, they make a million different connections. But there's an actual pad that you can glue you could easily glue right to the top, right in the center. And, uh, I know people use them for fish finders. Um, some people like the Scotty, um, anchor system for lakes. Um, our system, our anchor system is awesome, but it's definitely heavy duty. It's for being able to anchor up in rivers and that kind of stuff. Right. So I'll have a look. What other accessories are there just while I've got you here and, and I'm talking about the product? Well, the nice thing is you can, kind of change the boat up depending on what you're using it for. Like I mentioned, we have the anchor system. Um, You can put a motor mount attachment on the end of that and throw a little electric motor on it, which is super fun, especially (laughs) in a lake. (laughs) Um, No more rowing. You don't have to worry about what oars you have. Uh, And then we have the boat bottom, which is a a fairly new accessory. It's been out a few years now, but it's become quite popular. Um, And that fits on the boat and actually changes it from a kick boat into an actual raft. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So it allows you to stand up uh, and do some sight casting in a lake. It allows you to bring extra gear. Um, um, got some great people that bring their pups as well. Um, you've probably seen some of the stuff out there on social media. So, um, the bottom has been very popular for me. It's awesome. I have two five-year-old twin boys, um, that are not ready for a water master yet. And the bottom lets me throw them right in front and they can hang out in the boat. Um, and so I've got this boat that I could never really think of taking them both in, and with that bottom, I can't. So I do sell a fair amount of them just for people that have kiddos, and it gives them an opportunity to bring them along. We're going to have to get one for our watermaster here in Australia because that's exactly what we need. I'm actually taking Adelaide to the lake next weekend, and she's a big enough girl mm-hmm. now, and she's experienced enough with rafts now that she can just go in the back. But for those first few years, I, I would have definitely put her – in the Watermaster hat, I had a bottom. Yeah, they're nice. And they just roll up. You know, they go on and off right when you inflate the boat. How do they stay in? How do they work? I, I'm going to have to look it up. So, yeah, the boat itself. So you take the – you have the raft. You lay out the floor. And the raft goes into – kind of envision putting your foot in a sock. Um, so the raft slides into the bottom. And then by the act of inflating the boat tight, that's what pulls the bottom tight. Um, so we actually build every bottom one at a time on a raft because it has to be very tight or it wouldn't be very effective. You wouldn't be able to stand up. Um, you know, it wouldn't work very well. So we build that we are out on them. It takes a while to get those just because we have to build those one at a time. Yeah. Clever. Um, but yeah, it just, that's what holds it on is you'd have to deflate the boat halfway at least to get it off again. Um, other things I'm just thinking of while we're speaking, the double, chamber system what i I think i know why you do that but let's pretend i don't why do you have a double chamber system (laughs) so there's two chambers just in case something ever happens uh and if you run into something and actually manage to get through that material which is tough but it can happen um it allows the back half or the front half the opposite side to stay inflated so you don't have the whole raft 
go down if something happens. And what's nice about the Watermaster is we divide ours into front and back, and we divide it directly in the middle. So if something does happen and you lose that front chamber, you run into a boulder with a metal spike on it, <laughs> and you tear a hole in your boat, you're still going to have the whole back of that boat, which honestly is similar to a lot of little U-boat that are out there. I mean, you could row to the shore, you could deal with the hole. Um, worst case, you could probably even manage to get off, you know, float out if you had to. So you don't lose like a left side or a right side where it, yes, leaves you something inflated to hold on to, but nothing actually functioning um, that you could get off the water with. Like a pontoon boat's a great example. You have two pontoons with the metal frame. If one of those goes down, the other one isn't going to be very effective. I mean, it's strapped to a frame and a dead pontoon and you. So um, just safety, the biggest reason for sure. Speaking of safety, what is the class rating on these? So we rate them at class four. Um, the Kodiak and Grizzly were rated many years ago, mid 2000s um, by a fishing guide out of Colorado, a whitewater uh, guy. Um, and classifications, as you know, are subjective i don't think i don't know if anyone actually reads the 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 because it can change um you can go to somewhere that doesn't have very big rapids but because it's a straight canyon wall and the fact that if something does happen you can't get out to get help that can make it a class four um, whereas if that same river same rapid was right along a highway with houses everywhere that may only be a three you know, so a lot of things go into classification. So four, for us, obviously, is the highest we would ever go just to be responsible. Even uh, people have taken it down bigger. Um, experts could take a water master, I imagine, down some pretty insane stuff, but that's more of the, the person on the oars. So, um, but the rating definitely came from experts, you know, one in particular that rated it that had a lot of confidence in <clears throat> and, um, he ran some really big stuff to test it out. <laughs> so, and it's all, it's boiled down to stability, durability. Um, you know, you got to have a durable boat or it can't be rated. It's got to be able to take some punishment. It's got to be able to, you know, absorb an accident um, and not necessarily get you in trouble just because the material can't hold up. Stability is huge. If the boat's not very stable, obviously you're going to get, you know, in trouble faster. Um, so all that comes into, into play, but the, the water masters, the stability and durability of them, as long as you can, we always say, keep them straight, you know, <laughs> the boat will make it through. Yeah, absolutely. Talk, talk oh. to me about pontoon boats because you're an honest guy. There are going to be people who prefer pontoon boats. I am not that person. So I don't even know what to ask you about it, but I will ask, are there any benefits to having a pontoon boat and count, and also on top of that question, what is the biggest obstacle that you find yourself hitting with pontoon lovers? Um, well, I'll start by saying I think there's a major trend away from pontoon boats. Um, most of my competitors that once used to look at me sideways at the trade shows 15 plus years ago because I had this frameless boat and they all had pontoon boats. Now, if you go to the shows, they have one pontoon boat, six frameless designs. Um, so I do think the traditional framed pontoon boat isn't, is kind of losing its luster. People are figuring out there's other better ways to do it. Um, when it comes to advantages, honestly, they're heavier, they're hard to control, they're hard to set up. Um, they're not as safe because they set you up too high. 
Um, your center of gravity compared to the width of the boat generally isn't very good, so that just makes you more unstable. Um, a lot of them are nowadays, a lot of them are just, you know, bladdered pontoons. You can't really get a heavy-duty welded pontoon, so you have to kind of sacrifice quality in the in the pontoon now because most of them, are, I think, are bladdered, you know, zippers and that kind of stuff. Um, but in the when they came out, they're a great idea because it was a great way to let one person um, be in a boat and have it be semi-compact, um, and you had to have something to hold the two pontoons together and give you a place to sit, and that's why the frame was necessary. But um, like I said, I think we've come out with something a long time ago that's, I think, changed the industry a little bit, whether it's us solely or not. I do notice now that frameless is becoming most of the, the boats out there. But what is an advantage to them? There's got to be one. What's what? Of a pontoon boat? What about, here's what I've heard. What about that you can cut through water faster in a pontoon boat because it takes up less water surface or surface area? So that, that I do hear that a lot, that they're faster, um, faster to row. Is that what you're saying, basically? Um, I go back to the same thing I was saying earlier about buoyancy. So when you have a raft, let's compare apples to apples, to be fair. A nine-foot pontoon boat versus the Kodiak, which is eight foot, eight feet, ten inches. Um you're going to have, because it's a rocker design on a pontoon boat, let's say that nine-foot pontoon boat, let's be generous to say six feet of it are touching the water because the ends are coming up out of the water. You're not getting all nine feet. Um, generally, it's less than that. So five to six feet, a total of 10 to 12 feet of tube touching the water. So unless those tubes are absolutely massive, you're not going to get anywhere near the buoyancy that you would out of a completely full circle nine-foot boats, you're talking almost 20 feet of tube touching the water. And generally, our tubes are bigger than the pontoon boats anyway. But even if they're the same size, you're doubling at least the amount of buoyancy on the water. And then with the pontoon boat, you have weight because of the frame added to it. And so you're going to have more weight, less buoyancy, which means you're going to draw more water. So while they don't have the push of a closed bow, um, they push a lot more water in draw. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yep, I'd love to run it. Because an if you have nine foot it. pontoon boat versus the the Kodiak, um, the Kodiak you will see is going to be drawn three inches. The pontoon will be drawn five or six. You know, um, and that has a lot to do with it. So I've raced. I was going to ask you: Have you tested boats. this? We've, <laughs> we have. We've. We, when I remember I'm in a lake and there's someone out there fishing. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's race. And uh, I'm not going to say water masters are faster, but we're not slower. And especially if you're going to compare similar size boats, you know, you can't throw us up against one of those 10, 12 foot pontoon boats because now they've got the buoyancy. They're sitting up a little bit higher. Um, and again, without that closed bow, you're going to have less push, you know, naturally. But we make up for it. Uh, even on the Kodiak, the biggest tube on the whole boat is right at the point. So the tube gets bigger until it gets to the point of the, the boat on either end, actually. So you can support weight on the back and then for the front so that it keeps the front end higher. And then in whitewater, if you think about it, if you did like a little bit of a drop off or something going through a rapid um, – just like as a kid holding the beach ball in the pool underwater and letting it go and 
it shoots out. Um, I would rather have that big tube get down in there quickly without having a rocker because that means now your boat's a 45-degree angle before you've even made contact. Um, does that make sense? Am I? Yeah, yeah. I'm just <laughs> um, listening to it all. So that tube's going to come shooting out. You know, you're going to have that buoyancy that as soon as it gets down there, all it's going to want to do is come back out. Um, and so even in whitewater, it can have some real benefits getting the front of your boat back up out of the water. What are the other pushbacks that you hear or, you know, other questions that you're asked often? Price. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, right. So what, because are they more expensive than yeah. pontoon boats? Yeah, we're we're typically one of the more expensive for sure on the market, but that's, you're paying for the material, you're paying for the welded seams, you're paying for us, for the company that'll back the product for life. And, you know, the that's something else you get since we manufacture, since we have um, the welders and the, all the stuff in house, you know, we can really take care of boats. I mean, there's rarely an occasion that a water master comes in that we can't fix and get back, back home, you know, to get back on the water. So um, you're paying for that as well. But you asked me something and I didn't answer. Uh, no, I just wonder what else, what other questions you get where someone's like, yeah, but... Well, you mentioned the one. They think that they may not be as fast because I think the the larger the closed bound stern, um, they may they they envision pushing water. Um, but even if we ha or no rocker, I would, there's the other one. A lot of people ask why we never put a rocker in our boat because that's the prototypical is to see the front of the boat come up out of the water. Um, and I explained part of that. Uh, part of that also too is when you have a rocker, especially on a raft. Um, like on our Bruin, we don't have a rocker as well, and for good reason. When we when you turn up the front of that boat, now you've created a wall. Um, so the front of the boat comes up, and you've got a wall as opposed to that bullet shape that is the Bruin, the Kodiak, um, and that just seems to cut through the water a lot better, especially when you support it with so much buoyancy that it's only drawn three, four inches of water. Uh, but yeah, the, the the slow rowing is. But again, these are all things I think are just misconceptions. Like once we get out there and see the tested, probably good YouTube video fodder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, look, you've mentioned the Bruin a couple times. So tell me all about it. I am excited to get myself into a Bruin for my family. It's something that honestly, it was the one quip I had about Watermaster was that I couldn't get past two people, you know, and, and, and someone in the back of my boat, obviously, when I say two people, it was just one seat with a friend in the back. Now you've got the Bruin right. and for people who have no idea what I'm talking about, can you explain what it is? So we've taken the same ideas, the buoyancy, all that stuff we've talked about already with like the one persons, um, we knew people wanted two or more. I mean, it was the number one question at the trade shows is when are you gonna make a two seater? When are you gonna make a two seater? So we actually worked on it for eight years. Um, took a long time, built a lot of R and D's that are still out there floating around. Um, it started as actually no floor. Um, it was more of like a cat style frame, you know, open floor, but in closed design, which worked great. It was a great boat, but the floor was key. Like being able to have a floor and have it be self bailing, um, we knew was kind of the key. So we kept working on that, kept dialing it in, got the drop stitch floor figured out, um, and finally we're able to release it. So the Bruin is uh, lightweight. I mean, the frame raft and oars comes in around 125, 130 pounds, depending on like what oars you pick. Um, 
the raft itself is only 59 pounds with the floor in it. So it's easy for two people to get to the water, to get it on the, on the truck, on the trailer, on top of the car. Um, it's easy for two people. Everything that we did when we designed it was like, if two people can't deal with it, then we have to change something. Um, and that's kind of funny because you'll see on our site that we have the three-seater, which is just simply adding a third seat to the very back. Um, and that was more customers finding out how well that worked and us adding that that component. Um, because of the design of the boat, again, we don't have rockers and we have the biggest tubes on the ends. So it supports the weight in the very back, just like it would the person standing in the front fishing. So the boat is is awesome it's a it's a sports car if you've ever rode a drift boat or a 12 foot 13 foot raft um it is a sports car you will you will be shocked at how fast it reacts how quick it rows um i had a guide tell me he got into it and he's been guiding for many many years and he said it was like switching from a dump truck to a sports car like to a you know um just the, the maneuverability of it. Um, it's smaller, it's five feet wide, so it still fits in the back of most trucks. Um, 11 and a half feet long, um, but you can shorten that up because we do the same baffle system where we do front to back, even though there's four as opposed to two. Um, you can shorten the boat up by three and a half feet just by letting the back chamber out. And now you can throw it in the back of your truck and it's five feet by, you know, seven or eight feet as opposed to 11 and a half. Um, it's crazy stable. Um, that was one of our biggest musts that had to be absolutely stable. And it's so stable, I feel comfortable floating down the river, standing on the tube sideways. Um, it is, it's like a dock, you know. Um, it, you can walk around it. It's comfortable. The floor is flat because it's that drop stitch. It's basically a, <clears throat> a stand-up paddleboard that's been laced in. Um, so it's really easy to walk around on. Um, it's a high volume self baler. And what that means is there's a lot of self balers out there that, that water from your boots from a rainstorm can kind of slowly get out. Uh, but they're not designed for taking on water at high volumes, which ours is. And that's what gives it part of what gives it its class four rating as well is that it's got a big chamber for water to get out. Um, and so it goes out as fast as it comes in. So if you end up taking a wave or get pinned up or something, um, you don't have to at least worry about the boat filling up with water. It'll, it'll keep flowing through. Um, we even have a suspension system we've just come out with for it that uh, is a, a strap system that pulls the floor up into its highest position. It doesn't allow it to ever move, so you stay dry as a bone. It doesn't let that floor to go below the water line. You can load coolers and gear and all that and not have to worry about pushing that floor down. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's kind of unique as well. But we wanted to offer something for two people, three people now. Um, we don't want to go any bigger because we know that there's rafts and there's a million things once you go to the big world. But portability is kind of our niche. Um, and the Bruin is awesome for that. I mean, the Bitter River is full of back channels. And all you have to do is pull over, each grab a side, run across maybe 50, 60, 70 yards of gravel bar, drop it in a back channel, float, hook into some big browns. And then once you run into a big log and there's no getting by, you pick it up. And you go back to the main channel, you know, just little stuff like that that you wouldn't be able to do with a drift boat or a, you know, full-size raft. Do the oars screw in like the watermasters do? No. So it's a traditional NRS frame. Um, it's custom made for us, obviously, because it's a narrow boat, but it's an NRS frame with um, open oar locks. 
you get uh, we've got different ore options for that as well um, but a very more traditional style rowing system um, NRS is who we chose because we've made frameless boats forever and we chose not to try and become metal welders um, and so just figured they were the best frame on the market and very um, versatile. I mean, you can go from a full three-person setup on our Bruin to scaling it back to just a four-piece square frame system, throw a bench in the front, have three kids, an adult. Yeah, I mean, I've got families of five that can all go out in that boat um, when I scale that frame down to just basically enough for me to row it and then open the rest of it up for people to hang out and, and chill. So 1,500-pound weight capacity, you can get some people and some gear in there. You've got my brain just on fire right now. Could I put <laughs> a dirt bike in the back of that thing as my shuttle? What do they weigh? I don't know. They can't weigh that much, can they? Just a little dirt bike? Yeah. yeah I can't imagine. Yeah, as long as you don't have, like, the metal, you know, rubbing up against the boat or something. You know what I mean? I wonder. But it's weight capacity-wise, absolutely. I wonder if I could put you my could, like, shuttle somehow in it. Because then I wouldn't need any – I'm just going to dis- – if that is possible, I'm going to disappear and you'll never <laughs> see me again. <laughs> well, with the new market of electric bikes and scooters and everything else out there, I can't imagine there wouldn't be something. Yeah. But I don't know how much they weigh. Yeah, An I can't imagine oh, my a small gosh. dirt bike. Huh. I think my world's about to change. This is yeah. exciting. But 1,500-pound weight capacity. So with you in it, you've got some serious room left for motorcycles and whatnot. Yeah, right. <laughs> you might be able to get one of those dirt bike racks that actually like mounts to the frame. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have- you have a metal frame. I'm going to have to have a look. This that is- would be a great picture. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look into it. Um, by the way, with the NRS thing, and it, it just gives me, I know for me, it gives me more confidence because I, I rate them pretty highly. So I think that was a good call. That was a good move on your guys' part. Yeah, it was, it would have been, Obviously, even cost-wise, it have been crazy to try and become, become metal fabricators. But I've used NRS for years. And actually, we have been retailers of their products, you know, pumps and all the stuff. We get our valves from them. We get all kinds of stuff from NRS, and they've been they've been great. But the, the best part is just they're tough. They last forever. But you can switch things. Like a lot of our competitors, if me and you switch rowing and my legs are longer or whatever – you can't move that foot bar because most of those are, you know, as is. Whereas on an NRS, you loosen four nuts really quick, slide it back, tighten it, go. You know, everything can be on the fly as well. I did tell you the Bruin, you can put a motor on it. Yeah, right? so what kind of motor on it? Well, we have a, the custom NRS motor mount that bolts to the frame. Um, we've had it up. We've had up to a six-horse gas on it which was overkill, okay. not necessary. Uh, I use a 55-pound thrust electric Makota, and it's perfect. So a little two-and-a-half horse, like, gas motor would be perfect. Um, but the motor works really well on that boat. It's it's a really cool setup as well. So that's going to just allow me to kind of putt downstream or get across a trough or, or push downstream in, in a slough, but it's not going to get me back up through the current, right? It will if you get the right motor. Absolutely. I mean, tell me what current, April. <laughs> <laughs> I, sh- I should clarify what current You can see first. my brain just ticking right <laughs> There's now. There's a million currents. Uh, I can envision <laughs> you going up like big whitewater rapids. <laughs> <laughs> 
You have to understand my entire fishing world on the Bulkley it revolves around Watermaster. We we couldn't do I wouldn't have bought the property that I have if I didn't have Watermasters. So I'm just trying to <laughs> wow. think of how else I can further add you into my life up there. Anyway, just a yeah, just a fun I'd just a fun thought. You'll just have to come look, you're I, you're probably it, due to come and fish at my place. I am. I'm due to fish in British Columbia at all. Wait, have you I've not never done it. have you not done it? No. I've only fished in, in Alberta. Never made it west. Do you know what it would do to your confidence or your ego if you if you came to BC and saw how many watermasters? I've heard people would be like, "Oh, the would, Cheerios are it. out! It's a bloody bowl of Cheerios out here." Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> you have to come I've check it out. I've never heard that. That's awesome. <laughs> there I, are days. I have every plan to. <laughs> there are days. There was where this I little curse pandemic you. <laughs> that got in the way. <laughs> right. Sometimes I will be out there, and I'm like, "Oh, bloody." Watermaster, what have we done? Yes, but for the most part, but it's, I would it's love to. Out. If there's ever an opportunity to come up and fish with you, I would take it. There's always an opportunity if you have time to get away from work. Come on up. Okay. Um, but on that note, I'm I'm going to think about wrapping it up. We've just hit an hour. Is there anything? Look, okay. I feel like I got so distracted about the boats. I didn't even get to really talk about you. Have you been able to keep fishing now that you're a business owner? And like you said, with the pandemic, it's been chaos. Yeah, I mean, I get out here and there locally, but honestly, now I save up and I usually do like one big trip a year. Last year, I was able to chase monster redfish in Louisiana. It was a trip of a lifetime that will be in my brain forever. <laughs> Just absolutely destroyed it. So um, things like that. I've had more big fishing opportunities in the last several years, I guess, because of the business. But I seem to fish less and less like locally. Like, you know, you own the business, you have to get stuff done, and it's hard to justify leaving. And then I got lots of kiddos at like their young, time. So Young kiddos, yeah. Yeah. So, but they'll be fishing soon enough. The five-year-olds are already on me constantly. So there'll be a time when it won't be hard to come up with an excuse. Yeah. Oh, the kids <laughs> want to go fishing. You know? I better do it. Make them happy. Let's That's look at those parents. British Columbia flights, you know, <laughs> or even down here. I'll tell yeah, you, there is yes. such a market down here, especially New Zealand, the snowy mountains for Watermaster. And it's kind of been mine and Charles' little secret, right? We've got our boats and we're able to do all these incredible things, but it's picking up slowly. Yeah. People are starting to, there's a lot of head turning and what's that? So, um, Yes. It, I think you just yes. have to get Yes, so if we busier. could make it easier for them to get the boats, even though shipping has been pretty good. So if there's anyone in New Zealand or Australia, it's worth at least calling for a quote because we've been getting some pretty good prices. Yeah. Um, shipping over there. Cool. Well, I'll wrap. So uh, lastly. Oh. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, the only thing I wanted to bring up really quick is that we always tout Team Watermaster which you have been an OG and we appreciate it. You're like OG team water master. Um, but the people need to understand that that's a real thing. You know, it's not a marketing ploy that I want to hear the stories. I want to hear how it's your favorite tool in the box or how it got you into a certain section that you couldn't have got into or the stories you're telling. Um, 
or that people can rely on us when something goes wrong with their boat or they need something for their boat. You know, you're not just paying all that money for a boat that's pretty cool, but, you know, support down the road and being kind of part of a club. So we've got a boat owner's Facebook page that, that people are always getting together and, um, you know, people hook up you know, when, when they see they got water masters wave on the river and, you know, we do love that. And the team water masters real basically is all I wanted to say. Oh, I love it. And you know what? I know a lot of team water master and they're, everyone's legit. And it's fun because it's, I get so many ideas watching my buddies with their boats. And obviously I'm assuming they probably get some ideas from mine. And so we're able to really, over the last few years, I've really watched us progress into being becoming very creative. The other thing that I do with my boat that I, I didn't want to advertise because I don't want to cause any injury, but I do a lot of surfing my boat. Not that sounds silly because people are probably thinking I'm in waves, but I'll be on the right. on the river and I just grab my rod and I I put it down between my I, I put it on the hard floor and I hold up top about probably the second ferrule and I just support myself. I, I put one foot on each side of the seat and I stand up and go through the, down the river, even though it's, um, or I go down river, but not through rapids disclaimer. Right, disclaimer. Right. Yeah. And I sight <laughs> and I go, Oh shoot. There were fish in that lie. I knew it. So tomorrow I'll go back there or I'll have yeah. a buddy, you know, um, row or, Charles will sometimes help me to see in a, in a lake if in the back corner there's some carp over there. So we do a lot of standing up and looking um, is, an, is right. another advantage. And I wouldn't have been comfortable doing that in a pontoon boat, obviously. Right. So Yeah, and like you said, we don't generally – a lot of people do do that. And uh, we don't advertise that part because I'm going to have someone hop up there with a pair of waders and then go swimming. Yeah. But um, it is super stable. I mean, it's definitely nice for that. So just having the Bruins going to be like a huge version of that. Oh, I can't wait. Well, I'll keep you posted. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll keep everyone posted. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, okay. is there anything else that you wanted to add or ask me or is that is that us? I think that's it. I'm excited to see what you think of the Bruin. Yeah, well, I'll do a review. It's been a while since I've been able to get you something new. I'm excited. And look, everyone knows I'm honest. Yeah. I'll do a review and um, I'll we'll Perfect. just roll from there and I'll post it. I'm, I'm, I'm finally getting yeah. back in this whole YouTube thing. So I'll be posting a bunch of stuff up on there and I'll do a whole video rundown. Oh my gosh, I'll do my first ever unboxing. That sounds ridiculous. Unboxing. But I've never done it. I, I always watch these unboxing videos. Um, and I always think they're kind of lame. What's unboxing? It's like when you get your product and you unwrap oh. it, you start from the beginning. But in this case, for people I, to watch. Yeah, in this case, <laughs> I think it's actually, I think it's really fitting. Cool. I feel like it's on brand. I'm happy. I'm that happy would be to do awesome. It. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's going to be a few boxes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Have some room. Set the camera up way back. <laughs> I'll be I'll be in camp. All right. Yeah. Lock me into that. I'll do yeah. that. Um, if anyone has questions, awesome. Rich, where can they reach you? So you can get us at info at bigskyinflatables.com. Um, check out our website, bigskyinflatables.com. And of course, 800-239-RAFT. Oh, perfect. They can call. Oh, there you go. I thought the companies who allowed phone calls were gone. So that's, that's great. <laughs> Actually, we prefer phone calls. Really? Yes. I'm much better at talking on the phone and walking someone through something than trying to write out an email. So anyone should feel comfortable calling us. 
We do not mind. Oh, that's great. Okay. Well, I'll link all this up. I'll post all this up. Thank you so much. And I'm excited to catch up again soon. And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week when I sit down with Enrico Puglisi.